Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, it is Wednesday, and as we always say on Wednesday, it's Turn the Page Day. So we will start looking ahead now to this upcoming Sunday home game for the Packers at Lambeau Field against the Miami Dolphins. Flex to a 3.25 p.m. kickoff from originally a noon kickoff awesome. on the uh, the earlier schedule for those who weren't aware of that. But uh, Miami Dolphins, AFC East, as with all AFC opponents, the Packers only see them once every four years. So it's been a while, and the Dolphins haven't been to Lambeau Field since 2010. When you look at this 2018 version of the Miami Dolphins, where do you start? Uh, well, I mean, you would like to start with the quarterback position, Ryan Tannehill coming back from the ACL, but then he suffers this capsule injury that appears to just have him out indefinitely at this point. There hasn't really been given a strong timeline on when he could potentially be back. Right. And as of the time in which we're shooting this, we don't know what they're they're going to be doing at Wednesday's practice. So that means Brock Osweiler has become their starting quarterback, and certainly Osweiler has been through a lot of ups and downs over the last couple seasons. Uh, got the big contract uh, with Houston, didn't work out. Gets his contract traded for a second-round pick, uh, along with a second-round pick to Cleveland. Cleveland cuts him. He goes to Denver, and voila, he's with the Miami <laughs> Dolphins. The The thing, though, about Osweiler that I've been impressed with this season at this point is that he has been protecting the football in these starts that they've yep. they've had him out there for. It, as strange as it sounds, Mike, this Dolphins team at 5-4, and four, I mean, they're not overly dynamic, but – they found ways to win ball games, and you have to tip your cap to that. I also thought, considering how quick of a start they got off to, and then falling back to three and three, have found a way to rally and get some wins in recent weeks. Yeah, they're at five and four right now, and right in the thick of the wild card hunt. Obviously, with the three and zero start, they were hoping to be a little bit better than five and four after nine games. But as you said, kind of went through a rut. Now they rallied a little bit. That victory they had down in Miami over the Bears, a wild and crazy victory a few weeks ago. That was Osweiler's first start. I believe, yeah. in place of Tannehill. And uh, that was a, that was a big one for them. They won last week against the New York Jets. I believe now they've beaten the Jets twice, uh, two of their five victories um, over the Jets. But you said it with Osweiler. He's protected the football. Because I got an interesting question in an insider inbox with all the talk about, hey, the Packers' defense needs to start getting turnovers. And a fan asked, well, maybe a warm-weather quarterback coming to Lambeau for a chilly game in November, maybe that's a warm, I should say, a warm-weather backup quarterback coming to Lambeau uh, for a chilly November game. Maybe that'll get the Packers going with the turnovers on defense. Well, Osweiler, he's only thrown three interceptions this year, has not fumbled the ball, not just hasn't lost a fumble, but hasn't fumbled it at all. And I look back at the 2016 box score when Osweiler was the starting quarterback for Houston. He came to Lambeau Field. Remember, it was kind of a snowy, like early December game. The type of game where you think a warm weather team is going to have some trouble. There was one turnover early where the the Texans, I believe it was their tight end, fumbled the ball right in the beginning of the game. But Osweiler didn't throw a pick, didn't turn the ball over in that game either. And the Packers didn't put away that Texans team until the fourth quarter. So this is a guy that... That was uh, a sleet game. Yeah, yeah. It was was snowy and wet and yeah, and there was some sleet. It was just, it was a strange weather game a little chilly in in December but uh but yeah the Packers defense needs to start taking the ball away but uh, Osweiler may not give them a lot of opportunities if he does give them one 
they have to pounce on it. Oh, 100%. Uh, because here's the other thing. Frank Gore's in that backfield. Uh, <laughs> and while he is 35 years old right now, Frank Gore's actually had a pretty darn good season. I mean, he's kind of gotten the the winning share of that uh, that committee approach that they're taking with him and Kenyon Drake. Uh, it's really interesting because he's not giving you the football either. So I think that's really been a, a big thing for the Dolphins so far. You look at those two wins that you mentioned over the Jets, 13 to nine and 20 to 12. You don't do that if you're turning over the football right. and giving them favorable field position. So Adam Gase's guys have found a way to win. It's a little bit different approach than they took last year where it was Jay Cutler stepping in. And we obviously know some of the, t- the takeaway and turnover issues they had on that team. So yeah, it's going to be incumbent on the Packers to pressure Osweiler, assuming that's who the quarterback's going to be, and not allow a guy like Kenny Stills to get going either because Stills has been on sort of this hot and cold stretch this year where yeah. he has some really you know, dynamic downfield big play games and some other times where he's been taken away too. Yeah, well, you mentioned the ageless wonder Frank Gore in the backfield. Amazing what he's doing at that position at 35 years old. And just you talk about the, the wear and tear on the tires, so to speak. It just seems like Frank Gore puts a new set of tires on on every season because he just keeps going. He's leading these guys and rushing. He's got over 400 yards on the ground. A complimentary back in, uh, Ken, is it Kenyon Drake? Kenyon, sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, I got a little ahead of myself. Um, Drake there, he's averaging, I think, close to five yards a carry as as sort of the complimentary back to Frank Gore. And then you mentioned Stills. They lost Albert Wilson to injury. He was kind of their right. big play receiver, right. whether it was Tannehill or Osweiler. So they've lost some of that big playability, but Stills is a guy who can kind of get hot, as you said, and and make some big plays down the field. So there are some some weapons here, some options for, for Osweiler. They didn't have a good game offensively last week against the Jets, but I watched a good portion of that game they had at home against Chicago because I believe that was the week the Packers were playing on Monday night, so I was home on a Sunday mm-hmm. to watch other games. And uh, they moved the ball up and down the field against that Bears defense. Khalil Mack wasn't playing, but that Bears defense really struggled to stop them. Yeah, they did. And, you know, I wanted to mention, too, Danny Amendola has sort of been the favorite target here uh, the last few weeks for Osweiler. Uh, not really the big play aspect of it, but being able to help them move the chains. But, yeah, to your point, uh, the the Dolphins, the thing that's that's going to be interesting about them from the Packers' perspective is there's a lot of reasons why the Packers have to win this game, but the biggest one is that if you look back to the last month, the Dolphins have lost to the Lions. They've lost to uh, the, the uh, Bears. So, I mean, the Packers, considering those... AFC, as you mentioned, those. Oh, no, they they beat opponents. the Bears. They beat the Bears. Sorry, yeah, yeah. with the thirty-one to twenty-eight win in yeah. overtime. Yeah. So I mean, with those type of opportunities, we saw it before. We've talked about it with some of these other matchups, with the uncommon opponents. That's where ultimately you need to win your games in your division, but you can also pick up a lot of steam getting those victories as well. So uh, I'm I'm interested to see how it plays out because I think, as I mentioned to you on the show, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, this isn't Tom Brady, this isn't Jared Goff. You know, it is Brock Osweiler, and there's a reason why he came in the year as the backup to Tannehill. Yep. The Packers had some issues when you go back to that game last month against C.J. Beathard. They have to take care of business against a quarterback like this, if that ends up being what it is on Sunday. Yeah, well, I'm going to take care of a little sponsor business here, Wes, before it gets away from me. The powerful noise-canceling technology that helps NFL coaches block out 80,000 screaming fans can get you closer to the music you love. Learn more at www.bose.com slash Packers. Bose, the official headphones of the Green Bay Packers. Okay, shifting gears 
to the defensive side of the ball for the Dolphins. You know what I like to do when it comes to trying to figure out a team's defense. I like to look at the stat sheet and go, okay, what are the numbers? Are there any numbers, any stats that jump off the page to me? With this team, 15 interceptions in nine games, Wes. Not just 15 interceptions in nine games. As many interceptions as they have sacks right now. <laughs> 15 sacks, 15 interceptions. Remarkable. Remarkable what they've been able to do yeah. in terms of taking away the football. Yeah, they have three players who have three interceptions apiece on the season, a fourth player with two interceptions. Now, it makes for an interesting matchup because Aaron Rodgers has thrown only one pick all year. Am mm -hmm. I correct? Correct. Yeah. One interception all season at the halfway point for Aaron Rodgers going against a team that's picked off 15 balls in nine games. And quite frankly, I know I keep talking about this game against the Bears because it's the one I watched and, and it's how I got at least a little bit familiar with the Dolphins. The interceptions from, uh, at least there was one huge interception, there might have been a second one for Mitch Trubisky, right. in, were, was really what turned that game around because the Bears were in control of that game in the second half until Trubisky got picked. Yeah. And, and that was it was an interception in the end zone when the Bears were either going to get a touchdown or at least a field goal to get a two-score lead in the fourth quarter. And that interception in the fourth quarter just lifted up Miami and led this comeback that led to kind of the crazy finish in the overtime and everything that went on with that so Aaron Rodgers needs to continue to protect the ball these guys they're they're going to take their chances to try to get interceptions because it's what they've done and it's and it's been defensively what they do best because when they're not picking the ball off West they give up a lot of yards and points that's the biggest point I was going to try to make as I was looking this up right now with uh with where they're at on the season yeah they currently 15 interceptions leads the NFL in that category but they the opposing passer rating still 87.4, which is somewhat surprising when you consider that you have 15 picks. Yeah, to be uh, up, that to be at almost high. 90 in that category. 22nd yeah. in pass defense, 16 touchdowns allowed. So there has been opportunities, certainly some big plays that mix into that as well. The the thing that I'm going to be most interested about, we'll hear Mike Pettin talk on Thursday, but Pettin, uh, a player he was once attached to as a rookie, Kiko Alonso. Uh, is the the middle linebacker there for Miami? That's right. He's had some injury issues that he's had to work through. Been on a couple different, a few different teams now, uh, but is settling in there with Miami. I think 88 tackles, somewhere 80 tackles, somewhere around there. Three of those 15 picks belong to him. We know Mike, and we've seen it in the past. And Dom Capers always talked about it. Joe Witt Jr. You want your secondary to take the ball away, but when you're uh, linebackers, when your uh, secondary players in the trenches can start to find ways to be able to do that. That's where you're really going to be able to get maximize your production in that capacity. That's what stands out to me. The biggest question mark right now for the Dolphins is this whole kind of controversy surrounding their all-pro Pro Bowl safety Rashad Jones. That's what I was going to ask you about because I apologize. I didn't do my research here on this before we turned the camera on, but I saw a couple headlines related to Rashad Jones. What exactly went on there? So in the game this past week, at some point, this is all according to Adam Gaze. It's not like this is a report or anything. Gaze stepped to the podium after the game and said, yeah, Rashad Jones pulled himself out. This was the Jets game. This was the Jets game okay. on, on Sunday. Okay. Pulled himself out from the game. Two interceptions on the year. He's been to the Pro Bowl, I believe, the last two seasons. Considered one of the top of his position in the league right now. Absolutely. Uh, so he pulled himself out. Minka Fitzpatrick, who you and I talked a lot about in the lead-up to the NFL combine, to the NFL draft, their first round draft pick yeah. ends up coming 
coming in, has played situationally at points this season, and that's how they finished the game. But as of after the game, all the beat writers that I follow from Miami, the locker room was not talking about Jones. Jones did not speak to the reporters. So up until this point right now, we really don't know everything that went on other than the fact that that game ended without him on the field. Yeah, just a, a strange situation because the defense for the Miami was playing well. I believe they intercepted Sam Darnold four times. Things were certainly going well on that side of the ball, but then, uh, um, but then down the stretch, Jones wasn't on the field. Well, and the, the strange, the real strange thing about this is this isn't just a first or second. I mean, this guy's been there since 2010. He's 30 years old. He's been in the league, sort of coming to his own the last couple seasons. But I mean, he's been with the Dolphins for eight, seven, eight seasons now. So, and and obviously with Adam Gase now the last two and a half. So I mean, it was a strange circumstances, and we're gonna have to see exactly how that plays out. But if he's on the field. Historically, he's been one of their top playmakers in that unit. Yeah. Well, you mentioned earlier the 15 sacks that they have through nine games, which is not a huge number by any stretch. Their leader in that category, not surprisingly, is Cameron Wake. Yeah, 36 but he years has, young. But he has only three this season. But we've seen in other games over the years against the Packers, Cameron Wake can be a handful. Now, I mean, if he's lined up across from David Bakhtiari, the Packers will take that matchup certainly. They have all the confidence in the world in Bakhtiari. But Cameron Wake is a guy that when it comes to pass rush, you have to keep your eye on him because he can explode at any moment. Well, what's funny too is the Packers, Cameron Wake's had an up-and-down career. Obviously, if you know, if you follow his story, he was in the CFL. I mean, he kind of took the long way to get into the NFL right. and, and be able to become the player that he did for the Dolphins. But it seems like the Packers have always caught him in that four-year intervals you talk about yeah. in his best season. Exactly, I know. Uh, 2010, 14 sacks. 2014, he had 11 and a half. I remember being a part of that beat core and the narrative going into that game about David Bakhtiari playing him and what it was going to take to be able to, to calm him down. I can't really remember off the top of my head how he performed in that game. But, yeah, as far as this season's concerned, three sacks in seven games. As I mentioned, uh, 36, he'll be 37 in January. So he's been doing this for a long time. But as we've seen with the Julius Peppers of the world, guys that are in that you know 6'3", 6'4", and higher – you know, it's 265 to 280 range. They can find ways to be effective pass rushers in their later 30s. And yeah. uh, while it is only three sacks, I think Wake has done that to a certain extent. Yeah. All righty, uh, Wes, another bit of sponsor business here. At home or here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all, and that takes a lot of energy. So grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try, to, try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. And just to follow up on that, Wake had a sack and a half in that matchup in Miami, that okay. hot day down in Miami in 2014. Yeah, that was a hot one, and that, that was one that came right down to the wire there. Uh, Aaron Rodgers with the fake spike in the pass to Devontae Adams and then the touchdown to Andrew Corliss in the in the final seconds. Big win in 2014 Biggest for the Biggest catch of uh, Andrew Corliss's career, too. Yep. Rodgers showed a lot of confidence there to throw him that ball in that situation. I remember him talking afterwards about how they had actually discussed that if he got that matchup against the linebacker, they wanted to exploit it, and they did. Yeah. All right. Well, one other thing we need to get to before the end of the show here, Wes, and that is a roster move, a couple of roster moves for the Packers on Tuesday. Geronimo Allison, unfortunately, placed on injured reserve. Mike McCarthy had had mentioned that it was a pretty significant injury that he was dealing with. So Allison now out at a minimum for the remainder of the regular season. He would potentially be eligible to come back for the playoffs if the Packers were to qualify and if they have still have an option to bring him back from IR. The other thing is for the second straight week, the Packers have 
uh, shipped out a safety who was playing a lot of snaps for this team. Last week, HaHa Clinton Dix is traded. Jermaine Whitehead is released on Tuesday this week. He uh, had been ejected from the Patriots game for slapping the opponent, the opposing offensive lineman in the face mask. I don't think this is necessarily just because of that one of these situations that there can be a lot of other things that go into a decision like this. But the bottom line is the Packers continue to have to make adjustments in the secondary. What's your sense at this early stage of the week, what this next adjustment is going to be? Well, the first thing is to me that, I mean, it must, and again, I don't want to speculate on this, but it must be somewhat positive for Kentrell Bryce that there isn't a significant injury there if the Packers are willing to part with Whitehead, considering he was the backup there uh, between now Tremont Williams and, and Bryce. But we'll have to wait and see there. Yeah. thought Josh Jones played well uh, given the opportunities that he had. The biggest thing that Whitehead was doing is he was playing that, that what I've almost referred to as that Burnett linebacker role yeah. uh, where you're, you're lining up next to, to Blake Martinez. Josh Jackson played that spot a little bit. We've seen Kentrell Bryce be able to move up in the box before. Obviously last year Josh Jones handled it when Bright when Burnett was yeah. down. So there are options there. The the you know the biggest interesting thing to me is that a week after the Packers make two trades, this was about as eventful of a Tuesday as I can remember in some time for the Packers. Uh, with as you mentioned also Geronimo Allison going on injury reserve. You hate to see that just because of how doggone consistent he had been up until that point. I believe was on pace for a thousand yards. Yeah, the first four games of the, the season concussion. first four games of the season, Allison was off to a great start this year, was producing just the way everybody had hoped that he would as the number three guy, a a position as the number three receiver that he didn't relinquish to anybody throughout the offseason, throughout training camp. He took ownership of it and was was producing he gets the concussion and then coming off of the concussion suddenly the uh the other injuries a hamstring and a groin injury crop up and now all of a sudden his regular season is over yeah I uh, want to just mention, too, Ibrahim Campbell was claimed off waivers on Monday as well. So the Packers do have another safety option there. I don't want to dismiss that. Right. Former fourth-round pick of the Browns has actually has some Northwestern connection. Four guys now on this roster uh, that played at Northwestern. Kind of interesting how that's <laughs> uh, sort of worked out. And then, uh, lastly, the other thing, Will Redmond gets promoted in place of Jermaine Whitehead. Uh, Redmond is a really interesting story, if you know anything about this guy. Played at Mississippi State. Was a third-round pick of the 49ers three years ago, but has never played in an NFL game before. Uh, pretty remarkable considering hmm. typically, you know, even if guys maybe don't necessarily click somewhere, they still get those opportunities. He never got that. So uh, it could be a bit big opportunity for him, you know, these next couple of weeks if he can get on the field. Yeah, and if people are wondering how are the Packers managing this with all with all these roster moves, one thing we didn't mention is that the second punter that was signed yeah. last week, Drew K Kaiser, was released and an interesting story there you wrote about it on our website the reason the Packers had had grabbed the second punter over the weekend was because of J.K. Scott's wife and the fact that she's due to give birth any day now I haven't seen any updates if the baby has arrived yet no, not yet not yet but uh, the Packers basically had an entire contingency plan in place from when they were in Massachusetts if J.K. Scott needed to miss the game and come back. What did you learn about that? Kind of reminds me of the Wes Hodkowitz scenario in Carolina <laughs> last year, right? Where three days beforehand we decided I wasn't going to go, and then lo and behold, there's my son in the middle of the second quarter. Um, <laughs> no, and this is it meant a world to J.K. Scott to, to be able to have that conversation with Brian Gutekunst. 
They had a plane available for him and yeah. ready to go back if he needed to get back at a moment's notice. She's due November 14th, so a week from today. But he said that all likelihood they'll probably end up inducing this week. So there'll probably be one day here where maybe J.K. Scott misses practice. But being proactive and the fact that they did have a spot open on the 53-man roster, they go and get Kayser, bring him in, former punter uh, with the, the Chargers, could not have been more of a gentleman in my time dealing with him. And J.K. Scott said, too, he actually enjoyed having him around over the weekend because, as you and I probably forget, at least I forgot, he didn't even have any competition in the offseason. He didn't yeah. have any competition in camp. I don't know what the situation was like at Alabama or how many punters they had running around there, but this was his first opportunity to really sit down and talk shop with a guy that's been in the league, and it was kind of uh, you know beneficial in that way. Yeah, Scott's sounding board since he's been here really has been Mason Crosby, yeah. certainly a veteran guy and plenty he can learn from him, but a veteran punter coming in and even just for a couple of days and getting a chance, as you say, to talk shop with that specific skill. And a guy that had been drafted that, in the league, too. Yeah, something like that him. the rookie definitely appreciated. So. Yeah, and now now with uh, where things stand in totality after all this, the Packers do have one spot open on the 53-man roster, as we do and talk about this show at this minute. You know, you do have Jake Kumaro available. You do have Trevor Davis available. We'll have to see what they do there. Brian Gutekunst said last week they're both options to be returned. So uh, it's going to be interesting now with Allison on IR what they could potentially do at that spot. Yeah, we'll see if there are some more roster moves in the mix. But with that, we are going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com on Twitter. He's still at Wes Hod. I'm still at Mike Spofford. At Packers, still the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.